0: section ninety eight of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume three chapter twenty seven non je ne serai point complice de ses crimes racine gertrude's restored confidence in her lover had given an impulse to her mind and she was beginning to recover in some degree from the dreadful shock she had sustained when lewiston's message desiring to see her again deprived her of the little composure she had regained her agitation was so excessive that masham in alarm summoned mrs roberts and both agreed that it would be as much as their lady's life was worth do see anybody that was not particularly agreeable to her at present and this opinion mrs roberts delivered in person to lewiston who from some hints he had thrown out that morning to the servants was generally considered as the husband of mrs st clair and consequently the stepfather of their lady this idea was farther confirmed by colonel delmore's sudden departure and in that capacity he found himself feared and obeyed where he would otherwise have been ridiculed and despised after swearing a little at mrs robert's communication he said well goody take you care of your lady feed her well give her plenty of good stout meat and drink none of your slipslops none of your meal and water and poultices your gruels and panadas as you call em by jove I'd have a fit of hysterics myself if I was to be fed upon such gear. Hark ye Goody, if there's such a thing as a nice plump little sucking pig to be had, now's the time. Have it killed directly, and it will be prime for my lady's dinner. And do you hear it? tell that French fellow of a cook to take care to have the ears crisp, or by jingo, I'll slit his own for him? Stop, goody, as Mrs. Roberts was retiring in silent horror, and he pulled out his watch now go you to my lady countess and say that as i am a reasonable good-natured man and always behave handsomely when i am treated handsomely i shall allow her twenty-four hours to settle her brains or her spirits or whatever is wrong and then remember she must be to a minute i shall expect her to do her duty and wait upon me here in this very room and at this very hour with a merry face as much sooner as she likes to-day she'll be welcome but not a minute after the twenty-four hours not a second now trot goody don't forget the pig a three weeks old will serve my lady countess mrs roberts here suggested the propriety of medical advice being called but she was cut short with by jupiter if any of your doctors come here i'll show em the way out at the window there's no doctor like meat and drink and he went off singing a vulgar sea-song he then went to order out all the horses which he made the servants parade before the house well he tried some of them himself then ordered a chaise and four and two outriders as if he had been going a journey but he merely drove up and down the avenue till tired of that he fell to quoits with the servants and in short completely illustrated the homely adage of set a beggar on horseback etc gertrude felt grateful for the respite allowed her and she resolved if possible to prove her obedience by meeting her father and at the same time declaring to him what she had done even although she trembled to think of all she would have to encounter should he persist in his threat of carrying her off to america what would become of her who could interpose between a father and his child who could alas who would save her there was no one to whom she could appeal for there was no one being with whom she could claim any kindred save him to whom she owed her being where was delmore at this trying moment why had he deserted her his was the voice to have whispered peace to her soul his the arm to have supported and protected her but he her only earthly prop had left her she was roused from the overwhelming conviction of her own utter helplessness and the frightful destiny that perhaps awaited her by the indefatigable masham who in her softest accents besought her ladyship's pardon but there was a box of new dresses just arrived for her ladyship from madame delacour such beauties they were fit for a princess would her ladyship be pleased only just to take a look of them see what a déshabille my lady when you please to rise how charming it will be time was when gertrude's eyes would have sparkled with pleasure at sight of the beautiful dresses now displayed but she turned from them with a shudder and desired they might be taken away these were for the countess of Rosville, thought she with a bitter pang and i impostor beggar that i am shall i ever again dare to appear as such she covered her face with her hands and groaned in spirit then as if struck with some sudden thought she called her maid masham i would have a dress very different from any of these i would have one made of the coarsest of stuffs such as as poor people or charity children wear she stopped to wipe away the tears which covered her face while masham stood in speechless amazement it must be very coarse and quite plain masham and you must set about getting such an one for me directly sure my lady you don't mean it for yourself cried the amazed masham doubting either her own or her lady's senses had gone astray but her lady repeated her commands in so peremptory a manner that masham dared not expostulate on the subject but set about obeying the order strange and unseemly as it appeared gertrude had inquired for mrs st clair and she was told she was keeping her room and she asked no farther for the mention of her name was an effort almost too much for her associated as it was in her mind with all the degradation and ruin she had brought upon her heavily as the time wore away in tears and solitude the hour appointed by lewiston drew near too soon in the interval he had sent many messages which rough and wayward as they were yet showed a species of kindness in their way but his ideas of affection seemed to be of the lowest description and the only way in which he testified his was through the medium of meat and drink and many was the savoury mess he dispatched to gertrude who turned with loathing from such coarse demonstrations of paternal regard gertrude clothed herself in the sordid garb which had been prepared for her but her beauty was of too noble and decided a character to be dependent upon adventitious aid the regularity of her features their touching expression the sadness of her dove-like eyes the paleness of her complexion contrasted with the dark ringlets which fell negligently around her face the exquisite form of her head and throat her distinguished air even in humility all these only appeared the more pre-eminent in the absence of aught to distract the attention averse to having the appearance of being compelled to meet her father she repaired to the saloon rather before the appointed time she entered with downcast eyes and a throbbing heart unconscious of everything but that she was to meet for the first time as her father he who had so long been the object of her fear and her abhorrence but what was her surprise when upon entering the person who sprung forward to meet and to welcome her and to press her hands in his was lindsay gertrude dear gertrude exclaimed he as he gazed upon her sad and colourless countenance how ill you look something is wrong but as the recollection of their last meeting rushed upon gertrude's mind her heart swelled at the thoughts of her abasement and the blush of shame rose almost to her brow i have heard and it is that report has brought me here now that the man whom you have such cause to dread is an inmate of your house at least i guess it is the same tell me gertrude is it so you will hear all soon enough said gertrude in a low suffocating voice leave me oh leave me now now nor never gertrude till i see you safe and happy cried lindsay with emotion gertrude i am your cousin your friend your brother if you will oh speak to me then as such say what can i do to serve you but gertrude only answered with her tears then repeated leave me oh leave me i will if there is any one here to protect to save you at that instant lewiston entered with the swagger of a man who wished to show he was quite at home at sight of lindsay he started and was evidently disconcerted but quickly recovering he said with his usual assurance so sir i didn't expect to find you here i've just been seeing some young puppies have their ears cropped sit down sir then approaching gertrude who rose to meet him and bowed her head towards him he took her hand and shook it well my lady countess how goes it now by jingo as he surveyed her dress you women are always in extremes why to-day you're dressed like a charity school-girl lindsay was too much confounded to speak he had heard in a vague way that a foreigner whom no one knew anything about was living at rosville with the ladies and that colonel delmore had left it abruptly in consequence of a quarrel with various other particulars some true some false which had been circulated by the servants and soon reached the ears of their masters and mistresses no sooner had lindsay heard them than forgetting all gertrude's unkindness and ingratitude he thought only of how he could serve her and instantly set off with that purpose he had only arrived the moment before she appeared and the first glance at her had told him a tale of woe and suffering that filled him with grief and amazement the gay proud brilliant countess of rossville was gone and there stood the sad humble downcast gertrude impassive endurance of if not actually inviting familiarity which formerly her high spirit would have spurned he looked at her for a moment in silence and again the deadly paleness which had overspread her face at lewiston's entrance was succeeded by a deep flush and she raised her hand as if to hide it from his view well sir said lewiston seating himself on a sofa and placing gertrude beside him while he still held her hand this is not our first meeting but let that pass you're my lady countess's cousin i understand eh that's enough sit down you have the advantage of me sir said lindsay bridling his indignation for gertrude's sake it seems you know who i am who are you i have yet to learn all in good time sir would you choose to take a glass of anything after your ride or a bit of cold meat there's a nice little fellow of a pig that i ordered for my lady's dinner yesterday and she wouldn't look at him it seems so i've ordered him for my lunch to-day as fat as an eel and as tender as a chicken i'll answer for him i saw him scalded myself agony was painted in every feature of gertrude's face lindsay saw it and wishing to end this strange scene he said calmly to lewiston lady Rossville seems too unwell to take an interest in such discussions if you will accompany me to another room with all my heart cried lewiston jumping up you say true my lady is a little nervous or so but she will soon get over it with a wink to her gertrude rose too her colour changed from white to red and from red to white and she gasped as though she were suffocating at length by a violent effort she said go then but lindsay remember he is my father lindsay stood speechless and for a moment lewiston was thrown into consternation but quickly recovering himself he said "I come along it shall all be explained and he took hold of lindsay and moved impatiently towards the door but lindsay saw only gertrude standing motionless in shame and anguish her head bent beneath her humiliation and the cold drops of agony on her brow he flew towards her gertrude cried he wildly what do you mean your father speak tell me well since the cat's out of the bag cried lewiston you may as well catch it at once i'm married to my lady countess's mother so i am that's all what is there so wonderful in that and again he cast a fierce and threatening look at gertrude is it even so gertrude said lindsay then this can be no home for you at present the deuce cried lewiston fiercely what right have you to meddle between a father and his daughter i am her stepfather and i have the best right to manage her and he would have taken her hand but lindsay placed himself between them lady Rossville once chose me for her guardian she will yet acknowledge me as such will you not gertrude you will trust yourself with me and i will place you in safety oh he is my father my own father cried gertrude in an accent of despair surely surely exclaimed lewiston hastily i am the husband of her mother her own father you say true i am i am no, 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 cried Gertrude wildly. She is not my mother. She told me all. He is my father, and she almost shrieked as she uttered it. She is mad, cried Lewiston. I say she is mad. Tis you have made her so, then said Lindsay passionately, then turning to Gertrude. Dearest Gertrude, try to compose yourself, retire. I will. Oh, he is, he is my father repeated gertrude convulsively confound you for an idiot as you are cried lewiston fiercely and he seemed ready to strike her had not lindsay stood between them save me oh save me from him cried gertrude as she clung to lindsay's arm but he is i will dearest gertrude do not be afraid then turning to lewiston he said in a voice of forced calmness but with an air of the most resolute determination you are mistaken if you suppose that as the husband of mrs st clair you have acquired any lawful authority over this lady if you claim it by any other tie you must first bring forward your evidence and have it recognised before it can be acknowledged in the meantime lady rosville is under my protection i am her guardian and from her own lips only will i listen to what has passed you will do well then to leave this room without altercation otherwise it may be unpleasant for you oh no no cried gertrude in an agony of terror he is my father do not use him ill don't you hear her acknowledge my authority cried lewiston and what title have you then to interfere you confounded meddling blockhead gertrude will you go into the next room for a few minutes said lindsay and he would have led her to the door i do go along cried lewiston women are always better out of the way when there's business on hand i will not leave you said gertrude as pale and trembling she still held by lindsay but i order you to speak but another syllable to this lady interrupted lindsay on the point of losing all self-command and i will instantly call the servants to force you from her presence coward cried lewiston furiously the blood rushed to lindsay's brow edward dear edward cried gertrude do not he is my father i know you only as lady rosville and as such i will speak to you alone said lindsay He rang the bell and when the servant answered it desired him in a calm but firm manner to show that gentleman to the library then waving his hand to lewiston in a way that showed he would be obeyed he said i will join you there in half an hour and lewiston casting a threatening look at gertrude and muttering imprecations to himself was thus compelled to withdraw end of section ninety eight